You're listening to the Flyover Podcast, where we spotlight the success and struggles of people, organizations, and companies from all around Flyover Country. In this week's episode, Flyover Coalition founder and executive director Dale Buss sits down with Aaron Yogfeld, the president and CEO of Generac. They'll discuss Generac's tremendous growth over the last several years and how the availability of engineers and manufacturing capabilities in Wisconsin and other states within the region have helped set the $4 billion company apart. There's a lot to cover, so let's listen in. We're here today on the Flyover Podcast with Aaron Yagfeld, who's the president and CEO of Generac, a $4 billion producer of generators that's based near Milwaukee. Uh, He's been in that position since 2008, so he's overseen a huge period of growth and quite an important period of, of transformation for the company. And so... Aaron, welcome, and uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us for the Flyover Coalition on the Flyover Podcast. So tell us just a bit more about Generac and especially your recent growth, and what are the reasons for that? Yeah, thanks, Dale. Thanks for having me on. Um, yes, yeah, so Generac is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a company that um, has been around a long time, over 60 years. We're located uh, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and, um, you know, we, as you said, uh, you know, our primary line of business is to produce backup power equipment. Uh, a lot of that is engine-driven generator sets. And uh, we do that mostly up here in the upper Midwest in Wisconsin. Uh, we have five factories here. Um, but we, we found ourselves really in the crosshairs, if you will, of a number of major changes that are going on with the electrical grid and climate change and uh, energy technology. And, and that really has brought us to the forefront of, uh, you know, a lot of new opportunities around uh, you know, battery storage, energy management, energy monitoring opportunities. And those are services and products that our company is, has begun to be uh, involved with. And so on top of our legacy products, which are generators having you know, explosive growth and demand, we've now entered these new areas around energy technology. So the company's going through this evolution and that evolution is leading to uh, you know, this, this just amazing growth, 50% last year, we're going to grow another 35% uh, this year, and uh, it's been it's been quite a ride. So you mentioned you know transformation. You mentioned legacy, and and it's it's my conviction that here in flyover country, our best chance for establishing digital kinds of dominance is through our legacy industries, such as you know manufacturing the kind of machines that you do at Generac. So you're squarely in that in that narrative space. I think. Tell me a little bit more about the digital transformation of Generac and how what you've done there kind of supports that that thesis of the importance of legacy businesses getting on the digital uh, beam, if you will. Yeah, uh, you know, I think what over time in our business, you know, even our products, if you if you want to look at those and those have become more technically advanced. You know, I think you can probably look at a lot of industries and you'll see the same trends, right? Automotive, um, you know, uh, is is a, is a really good example in our supply chain tends to be very similar to automotive. So we've got the engines and controls and things that go on inside of a generator are, are not too unlike what goes on inside of a car in terms of controlling a lot of the, uh, a lot of the elements of the machine. And so we've had to develop uh, a lot of additional competencies internally over the last several decades, you know, around, you know, things like writing software and embedded firmware on, on, you know, on devices and, and on hardware. Uh, and so where I think, you know, we used to take kind of an analog piece of hardware before uh, mm-hmm. and, and make it operate, 
today, you know, that that piece of hardware is is being digitally operated, digitally controlled, oftentimes digitally monitored, uh, you know, for uptime and for uh, preventive maintenance purposes and things like that. And so all of those experiences and, and have, have helped us to develop additional competencies, which have actually uh, played really well in these new spaces around battery storage and, and other areas. So it's, it's, it's actually been quite synergistic to take the things that we've, we've learned with our legacy products and apply them and adapt them to some of these newer technologies and newer spaces. So you need hardware uh, engineers, mechanical, electrical engineers, of course, as traditionally, but now, as you mentioned, you need software engineers, you need firmware engineers. Has it been a challenge for you to fulfill that need in Wisconsin? You know, it, 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 it's interesting. You know, I think initially we were concerned about that, but what we found is that um, you know, the, the different skill sets, whether they be software or embedded firmware or some of these other things that are outside of our core, you know, core competencies, as you say, like electrical engineers and the mechanical engineers, um, you know, we've also found that, that we can basically hire them anywhere, right? I mean, they, they can work remotely. They don't necessarily need to be shoulder to shoulder with all the teams here. They're writing code and they're doing other things that, uh, you know, the, the functions that they're performing uh, tend to be things that, that can be done remotely, which has been a help for us. So, you know, Wisconsin, as you know, it's kind of your question would indicate, maybe not a hotbed of, of uh, you know, software development, but, but actually, uh, you know, there are so many companies like ours in the upper Midwest that are going through the same types of journeys. And again, the automotive industry in particular in Detroit, right? So we're able to draw from the Detroit area in that area. So it's, it's worked out quite well. So notably, you've uh, decided to expand a recently acquired plant in South Carolina, and you're also expanding in Wisconsin. So you've been making a lot of news in that regard. Can you explain why, what you're doing in each place and why you're doing it in that place? Sure, yeah. So the, the newest facility that we opened was down in South Carolina, Trenton, South Carolina, uh, just on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. And, that facility, so all of our factories up until really that one had been in the Wisconsin market up here. Um, and we love being in Wisconsin. It's a great, uh, great place to, to, to do manufacturing. But actually what we're finding is that, you know, we've got a growing customer, customer base down in the Southeast. So the Gulf Coast state to get into Florida, Texas, uh, Louisiana, and all of those, and then up the Eastern seaboard. So having a plant that's closer just logistically to those customers, you know, we're making big, heavy boxes and we're shipping them out. So yeah. logistics costs do matter. So we really, I think, are getting to a point where the growth in, in our business and the growth in our, our in demand for our products is such that it makes sense for us to kind of put the plants closer to where the end market demand is. So that was the big thing about moving to South Carolina. As, as far as Wisconsin's, you know, concern, still our headquarters, uh, definitely our, uh, we refer to as our R&D and technical center capabilities are, are globally located here as well. And so we're just outside of Milwaukee. We've got uh, an HQ building that, that also houses, you know, over 400 engineers alongside of all of our, our corporate functions uh, and some of our sales functions. And we continue to invest in our R&D staff here. We continue to invest in our R&D facilities. In fact, we just announced uh, we're breaking ground on another addition to our headquarters building for additional R&D capabilities. Um, the manufacturing environment that we have up here is still very robust and our investments here are around automation, uh, you know, continuing to increase our, our throughput. It's there around distribution. We've got quite a large distribution center in, in Southern Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, so, you know, really investing kind of across the enterprise uh, 
as it relates to both Wisconsin and then some of our newer facilities down in South Carolina. Any temptation to uh, go out and invade Silicon Valley and, and look for people or Austin, Texas or Boston or the Research Triangle? You, or, or do you think you can pretty much uh, fulfill your needs there? Well, actually, you know, we have a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of satellite offices around the U.S. and they've come to us through a number of acquisitions that we've done. So we have a, our grid services team, which, which uh, develops software for utility companies is located in, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have uh, an energy monitoring team up in Vancouver, Canada. We have um, a, a smart thermostat company called Ecobee that we acquired in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we have a technical center in Boston that draws from the MIT uh, and other universities there for, for the kind of technical uh, expertise we need for battery technology. So we have a, a company that develops storage, battery storage located in Portland, Maine, very close to Boston. So, you know, we, we kind of look at all of these, uh, you know, these different kind of geographies where we're, we're located. And actually it, it allows us to, again, tap into some of those talent. Now we're not in Silicon Valley proper per se, but that actually has been something we've talked about is do we need an office there uh, again, there's so much talent uh, around some of these unique skill sets with software development in particular. And as we continue to grow and have those needs, I could definitely see us in, in the future having, you know, branch offices in places like uh, like Silicon Valley as well. Let me ask you about, about uh, something, a recent kerfuffle that involved uh, Senator Ron Johnson, the Republican from Wisconsin. I hope you don't mind my asking you about this, but he drew, no quite, he drew quite a bit of heat for suggesting that Oshkosh Truck, which just got a huge new uh, postal service contract for I think like 165,000 trucks. Uh, the company wants to make them, I believe it's in South Carolina at, at a plant there. And he supported the company's decision to do that, you know, for business reasons. Some people think it's because uh, that plant isn't unionized and in Oshkosh, the UAW represents them. But you know, he, true to his his philosophy, didn't back down and said, look, I think if the company wants to put them there, they should be free to do that. He wasn't necessarily pressuring them to put the jobs in Oshkosh or, you know, and, and he just said, um, hey, we, we have a lot of jobs in Wisconsin and a lot go begging. So wh what do you think about that whole point of view and, and his remarks in that regard? Yeah, I, I don't know too much about the specifics there. I you know, I read about the um, the, the contract uh, and you know the Oshkosh winning that, um, which is great for them. You know, it's another great Wisconsin company. I'll, I'll say selfishly that I'm I'm a little glad they decided not to build it in Wisconsin because we compete with them for for labor. But um, I yeah, mean, the, we had yeah, a point in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, unemployment in the state is under three percent. Yeah. So for us, it's very difficult to hire here, um, and you know, I think I think companies have to have the ability to make those decisions. And, and again, look, I'm born and, born and raised in Wisconsin, love it here. Uh, and of course you wanna see uh, the state do well, you wanna see us uh, create jobs, but there's a limit to what you can do if you don't have enough people. And yeah. I think one of the things that, you know, one of the things that's been, been apparent to us anyway, in particular in the manufacturing sector here in the upper Midwest is that, you know, we have some structural challenges around getting more people, more young people involved in manufacturing. It's, you know, it's, it's a career choice that, I think you know people think of the manufacturing floor, and they have a certain image in their head, uh, you know, of kind of dimly lit spaces, you know, kind of noisy, and you know, probably uh, you know, kind of dangerous. Uh, you know, they have these this, something uh, on Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and it's and it's a dated reference, of course. I mean, if you went on the floor of any of our plants today, what you'd find are just you know uh, really well lit, clean, 
uh, high tech uh, manufacturing environments. And, you know, and that's, that's a problem, right? I think we have this, this issue. And I think we probably as a, as an, as an industry, you know, we, we probably haven't done the kind of work we need to do to, to change people's minds about, you know, what a career means in this. It's a, you know, for, for, for people to start out, there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, young people out there that might benefit from a career choice that is not the typical four-year college track. You know, I mean, they might benefit from being a, a technician, a maintenance technician, or, you know, some, some sort of machine operator, computer, uh, computer numerically controlled machine operator learning a trade. Uh, but, you know, I think that the, the school systems today are, are, are geared towards kind of the college preparatory tracks for most people. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we, we're doing at least part of the populace a disservice and that, you know, there's just some people that, that that's not the right track for them. Yeah. So I know that uh, Governor Evers in Wisconsin has, I think he signed a bill last year for something like $100 million in grants for workforce innovation, which was aimed at kind of addressing uh, on a small scale around the state some of the concerns you're talking about concerning the uh, the workforce, recognizing the importance of what you were just just describing here. Are there other things that the government, that universities, other actors in Wisconsin, and you know, frankly across across the region, could do to reward and encourage uh, large employers like Generac? You know, I, I think there I think there's a lot of things that that um, that can be done to help uh, companies like us um, solve this problem, you know, and, and, and there are, there are programs. There's a lot of programs. I think what we found is that there's, there's not though a kind of cohesive approach to it. You know, it's, it's kind of a piecemeal approach. Some of these things come in the form of uh, jobs credits you get for, you know, training. Uh, some of them come in the form of, you know, certain tax credits you can get for investment. Um, I, I think, you know, for us, we look at, the right answer, at least in our world, is to try and find um, you know more of these uh, these young people who might benefit from something other than a four year college degree and incentivize that type of behavior. So you know if that's a technical college, right? So getting behind the technical college uh, uh, entities and driving uh, improved enrollment there. And I, I don't know if it's you know as easy as hey take take your typical four year high school uh, program and offer another two years for those kids who don't wanna go four year college preparatory track, offer another two years of quote unquote high school for free that would be more technically oriented, right? Send you to a, whether it's Waukesha County Technical College or Blackhawk or, or one of the technical colleges in the systems here in the state. Um, I think that, that you know, more can be done there so that you don't have kids who end up going down the four year degree route and end up with a, you know, as, as sociology majors with a, you know, a six figure loan balance. and. And, and can't find gainful employment. Yeah, well, for better or worse, it seems like the market dynamics are kind of pushing in that direction anyway. You see fewer, for example, young men going to college um, and they've got to do something, right? Um, that's that's true, yeah. So, so let me just close with one more question. It's the favorite question we have at the Flower Coalition because our, our goal is to really not just promote our states and our cities and our, our towns and rural areas individually, but also promote the notion that unifying with one another in that purpose, you know, really across all of flyover country could help us all achieve our goals where we live. So, I mean, our thesis is we're often dismissed as an entire region. That's why we're called flyover country, right? And I'm just wondering right, right. What, you, what you think of that thesis. If you agree with it, is, is cooperation important to promote our region and, and why or why not? 
Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to be stronger together in messaging, you know, whether it's a message around manufacturing as a career choice or whether it's messaging around, you know, the, 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 just the, the, the great opportunities we have uh, in this part of the country. Um, you know, there are some really cool, unique skill sets uh, around, in particular around manufacturing and, and certain industries that um, for us anyway, we find that, you know, the work ethic in this part of the country, uh, we find that the, the certain skill sets uh, around maybe it's tool and die type of manufacturing or, or sheet metal fabrication, welding, those types of uh, skill sets that uh, you might not find in other parts of the country, you find them a little bit more prevalently here. And as manufacturing changes to be more automated, we're also finding that this part of the world, as I said, everything from Detroit with the automotive industry to Rockwell Automation right here in Milwaukee, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're all at the forefront of this kind of manufacturing 4.0 movement. And so I think there's, there's more of that competency and technical capability in this part of the, uh, in this part of the U.S., than there is maybe anywhere else. So I think, you know, kind of the new manufacturing kind of built on top of the old manufacturing. But yeah, this idea of cooperating together to create that message as a region, certainly I think is, um, is gonna make us stronger in the end. And, um, you know, again, it's just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique space and you, I've traveled all over the world and the kind of concentration of manufacturing that we have in this part of the country uh, is unique. You know, it's, it's really unlike other parts of the world when you, when you go around the globe. Well, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, our guest has been Aaron Yachtfeld, the president and CEO of uh, Generac, a, a major manufacturer in Wisconsin and, and throughout the region. I just really appreciate you taking the time to share your views on these questions and uh, the importance of coalition building, I guess, if you will, in flyover country. So appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Dale. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Flyover Podcast. To learn more about the many products and services Generac offers, visit the company's website at www.generac.com. And to catch up on the latest news around Flyover Country, or to learn more about the Flyover Coalition, be sure to visit www.flyovercoalition.org.